Gemara Erubin has been sponsored by Mr. Isaac Jamal and his wife Celia for their success, for their children's success, health, happiness, beracha, parnasav, atzlaha, bechol maaseh yedehem. Daf Mem Zayin. Today's daf has been sponsored by Mr. Ike Shaybar in honor of the rabbi. Today's daf has been sponsored by Eilun Ishmat, Acham Baruch, Rafael Ben Miriam, and Abraham Ben Esther. Ruach Hashem Tanichem Begin Eden. Amen. We are starting today on Daf Mem Zayin Amud Rishon, and we are going to begin uh, four lines down. The sugya that we're in the middle of here began on the previous Amud where Rabbi Yohanan came along and gave a klal uh, <coughs> he told us different rabbis that argue with each other he told us exactly uh, who we follow for example Rabbi Meir that has a machloket with Rabbi Yehuda Halakha follows Rabbi Yehuda Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Shimon Halakha Rabbi Yosef etc so Rabbi Meshar Shia came along and said that this is not a general rule. Meaning, if the sevara, if the logic dictates otherwise, you don't have to follow that uh, formula that the Yohanan prescribed. So the Misharshia was challenging the rules of Psaq of the Yohanan. So the Gemara was trying to find proofs for the Misharshia, how we know that uh, the rule of Rabbi Yohanan is not uh, cut in stone, where you can forsake like other rabbis. So the Gemara brought already uh, two proofs, and the Gemara rejected them as no proof to Rabbi Misharshia. Now the Gemara is going to bring its third proof for Rabbi Misharshia. The Gemara says on the fourth line, Ela mehaditnan. Ela comes from the following Mishnah. Hameniyah et beto. We're discussing over here, you have people that live in the Hatser. The people that live in the Hatser obviously have to make an Ubeh Hatserot in order to carry in the courtyard. If one guy in the Hatser does not join in the Eruf Hatserot, then it ruins it for everybody. Because he still has a Helek in the Hatser and he was not part of the Eruf, so they can't carry. So the discussion is over here, if let's say one guy left his house, Eruf Shabbat, and he did not make an Iru with everybody else in the Hatser. So what's the deen? Does he ruin it for them? Does he not ruin it for them? So the Gemara says, Ehad Nukhri, Ve'ehad Yisrael, Oser Libnei Haserot. Libnei Meir says, whether the guy's Jewish, or whether the guy's a Goy, he ruins it for them. He left them without making, uh, joining the Iru. Even a Goy, what you have to do in that case is, he's not part of the Iru, but you have to buy his... Helik from him. You have to rent or buy his uh, spot or his portion in the Hatser in order to make it all, uh, you know, to the other owners. The point is, they left. So the deen is according to the Bimir. Once they left uh, Nadim Shabbat, uh, nobody can carry. That's the Bimir. However, the Biudah Omer and Osir. The Biudah says, they're not Osir. Why? Since they left the city. The Biyuda Shita is that once they left uh, the city, so therefore they're not coming back. And since they're not coming back on Shabbat, because you know, obviously they left the city, so therefore it's like they, uh, they've relinquished their rights by not coming back. The only problem is if they come back, then they have their headache. But if they left the city before Shabbat, they're okay. So they're not Osir, the other dwellers. The Biyoseh Omer, the Biyoseh makes a headache. Nukhri Osir, Yisrael in Osir, Mepeneshe in Derech Yisrael above Shabbat. So he comes along and makes a headache, the Biyoseh. A goy will Osir. Why? Because the goy can come back on Shabbat. He can travel on Shabbat. A Jew doesn't travel on Shabbat. Once he leaves, he leaves. So he makes a haiduk. If the, the, the goy says he can come back, as I said, the Jew that doesn't come back, not Osir. Rabbi Shimon Omer, Rabbi Shimon is the most lenient of it, he says, Afilu, heniyah et beto, 
והלך לשבות אצל ביתו באותה העיר, אינו אוסר. רבי שמעון says that even if the Jew went and did not leave the city, he went, he stayed, for example, he says, in his sister's house, the Shabbat, in the city, he's not osir the rest of the B'nei Hasidot. Why? Because already his mind is off, he left, he's not coming back. Which means the Bishamon is more mekel than the previous rabbis. First of all, he's more mekel than the Bimi'ir, in the sense that he's saying that even a Jew is not osir. Whereas the Bimi'ir held that Ben Jew, Ben Goy is Osir. And furthermore, he's more lenient than Rabbi Yoseh, because Rabbi Yoseh was only lenient when, the, the, when, um, when there was, sorry, Rabbi Yudah was only lenient when it's in another city. However, Rabbi Shimon is being lenient even if it's in the same city. So Rabbi Shimon is more Mekel in this, uh, in this statement. Let's review the Shitot quickly. Again, we have Tanakama, that's the Bimi'ir, he says, Echad Nukri v'had Yisrael Osir. We have the Biyuda, it says, both of them uh, in Osir. We have the Biyuda, that comes along and says, Nukri Osir Yisrael in Osir. And the Bishimon comes along and says, even if Yisrael is not Osir, even if he is in the same city. So comes again and says, V'amar Avchama Barguria, Amar Rav, Rav came along and said, Halakha Kerebi Shimon. Halakha follows the Bishimon. Now, Uman Paligale, who argued on the Bishimon, the B, Mi Yehuda, argued on him. The B Yehuda held what? That the B Yehuda Shita was what? In Osir, because they're in a different city. The Bishimon says, even if they are in the same city. Now, the Amart, didn't you tell me? Rabbi Yehuda, the Rabbi Shimon, Halakha, Rabbi Yehuda. We learned already above in Rabbi Yohanan's rules. We never mahlok at Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Shimon. Halakha follows Rabbi Yehuda. So, what does Abhamma in the name of Rav have to tell me? Halakha, Rabbi Shimon, which means, Ela, what? Your rule's not a rule. You told me again, the Bishimon, the Biyuda, Alakha, Kribiyuda. Now we're seeing from the fact that Rab was Posek Alakha, Kribishimon, the rule is not a rule. So that's a proof to Rab Misharshia. So the Gemara says, Ubay Kusha, what's the question? Dilma Hachaname, Hechad Itmar Itmar, Hechad Lo Itmar, Lo Itmar. Same answers we said in the previous ones. Meaning you're right. Normally the Biyuda. Against the Bishimon, Halakha follows the Biyuda, unless it's explicitly stated that it's not. So this is a case where it's stated that it's not. Which means the default position is the Biyuda, the Bishimon, Halakha, the Biyuda. Here, it's an exception. Here, the rabbi would have his way to say, it's different. Halakha, the Bishimon. But in generally speaking, Halakha will follow the Biyuda. So that we still do not have a proof for that Mishar Shia. Kaz Gamaran says, Ela Meha. It's going to be from here. That now we have a Mishnah. Vizeu Sheamru Heani Mearev Beraglav. That statement that we have, that a poor man is able to make an Ayruf Tehomin with his legs, meaning he does not need to put any bread or food in the spot of his Ayruf. He could just go to the spot with his legs, and that can create his shivita. Regarding that deen of an ani, that does not have to use bread or food for his ayruv, we have a mahlokah. Rabbi Meir Omer, anu elanu ela ani. When it says ani, it means an ani. Meaning, somebody that is destitute, or for that matter, somebody that's on the road, and does not have food with him, and he needs to set up a shivita. So for that purpose, he's considered an ani, because he doesn't have the wherewithal, even though he's an ashir. But bottom line, since in this present state that he is an Eid of Shabbat, he finds himself on the derech, and he doesn't have <coughs> food with him. So the Bimeir says, Me'arev beraglav. The Biyuda Omer, Echad ani ve'echad ashir. The Biyuda says, no. Anybody can be me'arev b'raglav. Not only a poor man, but even a rich man that's home. If he wants to go and be me'arev with his legs, 
He can go to the spot before Shabbat and stand there during Ben Hashim Hashod and it works. You don't have to be an Ani for Eruv Ben Aglaim to work. Oh, this deen that we said, that you make an Eruv Bepat, was said as a leniency to the rich man. Meaning, we gave a dispensation for the rich man. Now let's say he doesn't want to walk bad of Shabbat all the way to Zairuv. He can use bread. How? The bread he can give to a shaliyah. And the shaliyah can go bring the bread for him in that spot over there to make the Zairuv. So therefore you see according to the B.U. is more lenient. He says, first of all, an Ashi can also be Ma'arev bin Aglav. If he wants to walk there. He can walk to the spot and make the Zairuv. And you know what? We were lenient by an Ashir, that he can even use bread. What's the leniency? Because when you use bread, you don't have to go there directly. You can send an agent to go uh, put the bread there for you and set up your shavita. So then we have a machloket Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Yehuda. Again, Rabbi Meir holds that what the deen of Me'arev Biraglav was only said by an Ani. Or somebody that's on the road that does not have provisions. But an Ashir cannot Rabbi Uda says no. An Ashir, even in his home, if he wants to go Ma'arev Beraglav, go. He could even be lenient at Ma'arev Bepat if he wants to send it to his agent. Who's that like I like? Umat Nile, Rav Khayyabar Asher, Khayyabar Rav Kamedirav. And this statement was said by Rav Khayyabar Asher, Khayyabar Rav in front of Rav. And he said, Ehad Ani, Ehad Ashir. And he told them, when they were reading it over, they said that the Buddha holds, whether you're Ani, whether you're Ashir, Ma'arib Raglav. The Amar le Rav, and Rav said when he heard this statement, Sayyim Ba'naneh, conclude your statement by saying, Halakha Kirabi Yehuda. Say that Halakha Fazla Kirabi Yehuda. So we see Rav was posek like Rav Yehuda. So the Gemara says, Tarte Lamali. What do I need? Two statements. Why would Rav have to say, Halakha Kirabi Yehuda? We know already. We learned in the Klalim that what? The Amar to be Mir Vrabi Yehuda. Halakha Kirabi Yehuda. So therefore, from the fact that he had to say that halakha kirabiyuda must be that it's not pashut, that it's not an automatic. Because if it was an automatic, the klalim that we said from the Adam, we know, Rabbi Meir, halakha kirabiyuda. Why did Rav have to come along and say, make sure you say halakha kirabiyuda? Ella must be because it's not a klal. So the Gibraltar says, Oh my kusha, dilma rav, let le lahani klale. You have no proof question. Maybe Rabbi Yohanan has Klalim. But who said Rav has the same Klalim as Rabbi Yohanan? Yeah, so therefore, just because one rabbi, Rabbi Yohanan, made Klalim, does that mean every rabbi subscribes to his Klalim? Therefore, Rav, when he said, Halakha Rabbi Yehuda, because he has his own Klalim. So for sure at this point, at least we see, we have a Mahloket possibly between Rabbi Yohanan and Rav. Rabbi Yohanan holds of the Klalim, and Rav has a different set of Klalim. Therefore, he went out and said, Halakha Kirabi Yehuda. Implying that it's not, uh, it's not for granted that the Bimi in Rabbi Yehuda, Halakha Kirabi Yehuda. So we really still, still didn't prove that Misharshia. Because the Misharshia is trying to say in the Yohanan, the Klalim are not Klalim. So comes the and says, Ela, Meha, from here. An interesting Mishnah in Yibamot. Ditnan, it says a Mishnah in Yibamot. It says the following. Haibama. We know the Yibama is. That's a lady that her husband passed away and she did not have children. So um, her brother in law has to either marry her to perpetuate the family, or he has to make halitza. Halitza is like a divorce. He has to break the connection between them halachically. That halachic breaking of the connection is called a halitza. So what's the case? Haibama, lo tahlots, she should not make halitza, ve lo nor should she consummate a yibum, ad shi yehula shilosha 
until at least three months pass. Why? Because she could be pregnant from the first husband. And therefore we do not want her to make halitza or yibum until we determine that she is not pregnant. Take us three months to determine. After three months already, you'll know. And she's showing, you could tell. But before three months, it's not, it's not simple. Now, what's the problem? Well, obviously we understand why you can't make yibum. Because if she is indeed pregnant, that means she can't have a child. She has a child, she's not subject to the law of yibum. So therefore now just to make yibum on somebody that's not obligated, not allowed. So therefore you have to hold off the yibum until three months. You also hold off the halitza. Why? Because the halakha says you're not allowed to make halitza on a, a lady that is pregnant. What is the reason why you cannot make halitza on a lady that's pregnant? Just make halitza. What does it cost you to make halitza? So the problem is because in the event that let's say she gives birth to a ben kayama, and let's say she does, she was pregnant, let's say, and she gave birth to a, a viable living child, so she was not subject then to the halitza. She didn't need the halitza because she was not considered a yevama, uh, right? So the halitza was worthless. What's the problem? But now she's going to need to make an announcement in front of everybody that the halitza was not valid because normally a lady that goes through the process of halitza becomes pasul to the kihuna. It's like a divorce. So now she cannot marry a kohen. But since this halitza was... Wasn't a halitza, wasn't necessary, but people saw her make a halitza. So they're going to think she's pasul to the kihuna. So you're going to have to make what's called a cruise. You'd have to make an announcement, Rabotai, the halitza that was done on this lady is invalid, do not count, she's kashir the oh, So why don't you do that? Well, we don't like to make a cruise on the keuna because some people that were there for the halitza might not hear the cruise, and therefore they're going to think she's pasul the keuna, so it's going to put her into a, into a mess. So therefore the hakamim said, do not do halitza until three months where for sure you know she is not pregnant. So that's the, the issue, that's the issue over there. Now, the Gemara continues. So that's the first case again, we read, Ditnan, Haibama, Lo Tahlots, Velo Titiabem, Aj Yula Sheloshet, or Shelosha Chodashim. Vechem Sha'ar Kol Hanashim. For that matter, we're concerned about Sha'ar Kol Hanashim, all other ladies. Lo Yinasu, they should not get married. Velo yit arsu, nor should they get uh, engaged. Now, let's discuss the difference between nisuin and irusin. Nisuin is the consummation of a marriage. That's when the uh, husband and the wife, they become husband and wife, that's consummated, finished. Irusin is the first stage. That's like today, just so you can have an idea, when the husband under the chupa gives the ring, that stage is called Kiddushin or Irusin. Now normally at the Irusin stage, there is no relations. It's just a Kenyan. There are laws, but usually there is no relations. So this Shita is saying that any person that uh, wants to, a lady, uh, that what? Wants to get married to, let's say, Nisuin, consummate, or even Irusin, to make the first stage, they have to make sure that they wait three months. Now what is it talking about? Obviously we're talking about ladies that were married before, that want to get married a second time. Or, God forbid, they were widowed, or they were divorced. So in all these cases, they cannot make nisuin, or for that matter, even irusin, until they wait three months. Now let's see the cases. Ehad bitulot. Whether they are bitulot, they had bi'ulot, or whether they are bi'ulot, whether they are not, uh, not bitulot, 
Echat almanot, whether they are almanot, which is widowed, Echat girushot, or whether they are divorced, Echat arusot, Echat nesuot, whether it's from the irusin or whether it's from the nesuin. Meaning, the Gemara is giving you a case over here, how do you have a lady that got married that's still a betula? Meaning she's a betula because she only had irusin. Meaning she got man number one. It was irusin. And then what? They got divorced. Or it was Irusin and the guy died. So she's considered an almana from the Arusa. Now the Hindush according to this opinion is, even though she's an Arusa, and there was no relations, still the first rabbi, who is the opinion, says, The rabbis did not make a Hiluk. Meaning, even if it's a... Uh, Girusha from the Irusin, or an Albana from the Irusin, where there is no concern of that maybe she's pregnant, still, Hakamim said, Asur to get married until you wait the three months. That's the Mahmir Shita. Now let's understand the logic. What are we concerned is going to happen over here? Let's say she got pregnant from the first guy. Okay, let's take in the case of the Nisuin. She married the first guy. Now she's pregnant. The guy dies. Now she's going to get married in three months. And now she's going to give birth, let's say, uh, to a child. Right? And we're not going to know who the father of this child is. Because it could be from the previous father. Right? Or it could be from the second father. So therefore in order to alleviate, so we know exactly... Who is the father of this child? So Hakamim said, let her wait uh, three months, and therefore you'll alleviate all the problems. Now let's read that in Rashi for a second. Sha'ar <coughs> Kulan Nashim, it's the first wide line. Right, we're worried that she might give birth within nine months from the divorce of, or uh, her widowing from the first husband. Safik bin Shiv'an you worry that it might be a seven-month baby to the second father. Safik bin Larishon. Or you worry it might be a nine-month baby to the first one. So therefore you have to make this three months in order to know for sure that it's, she was not pregnant. So you know whatever happens certainly is from the new husband. Now what's the concern with this? What are we worried? What can happen? So what? Let's say she gives birth, and you're not sure exactly which husband uh, fathered the child. Was it the first one, or was it the second one? What, what, what problem could come out? So that she tells us, that she tells us, that she says, could be this child is going to be from the, uh, from the second uh, father. Okay? It's the same mother in both cases. Maybe from the second father. And what's going to happen? She's going to have another child as well from the second guy. One of these guys is going to uh, get married, one of these kids. He's going to die. The other brother now is going to make Yibum. Now the halakha says the law of Yibum is only brothers from the same father can make Yibum. But brothers from the same mother cannot make Yibum. So the whole reason why you have to have this hafhana of three months is in order to potentially that you don't have the wrong kid making yibum where he's not allowed to. That's the case that she brings down why it's a problem. So therefore let's review. According to the first opinion, we're very mahmir. In the sense that what? Nobody can get married before three months. Whether you got divorced or almana from Irusin even, still you have to wait the three months because lo pelug the banan. Again, in the Irusin, there's no shot that she's even pregnant, but still lo pelug kol sheken from the Nisuin. And for that matter, a yebama also has to wait three months before they go through the process of halitza or yibum. That's the first shita. Second shita. Rabbi Yehuda Omer, Rabbi Yehuda says, Nisuot yit'arsu. He says, wait, if a lady was married, she could make Irusin right away. 
Because Irusin is nothing. You're not having relations anyway. So she can make the Irusin the next day. And why? Just wait three months after the uh, Irusin. No problem. Now, the Arusot, Yinasu. And if a lady got divorced from the Irusin, so then already she can get married immediately. Because you know Irusin, you didn't do anything. So you're not going to need Havchana. Chutz me'arusah Except for the Arusin, the ladies that became Arusah in Yehuda. Why? Because the people in Yehuda, they didn't wait. Even during the Irusin, it's possible they were with the, 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 the girl. And therefore, you have to be concerned, in Yehuda at least, that what? She could be pregnant. So you have to wait the three months. However, when it comes to... When it comes to everybody else, if it was just Irusin, she didn't get married. So you see, obviously the Bihuda is more lenient. A Nisu'ah can make Irusin immediately, then wait the three months. An Arusah can make Nisu'in immediately, because we're not worried that she's pregnant. Except an Arusah from Yehuda, as we said, Mepneshili Bo Gaspa, because they're uh, comfortable with each other, because they make Yehud even before in Yehuda, therefore we're concerned that something might have happened. Good. That's the Shitav Hu to be Yehuda. Rabbi Yosei Omer, Kol Hanashim Yitarsu. He holds like this. All ladies could make a Rusin immediately. Which means he's definitely arguing on Tanakama. Because Tanakama said, no, Erusin lo peluk. He's telling me no. But he's arguing on the Biuda. Because he only allows them to make Erusin. Whereas the Biuda let an Arusa even make Nisuin. So he's saying no. All ladies can at least make Erusin. Chutz min almana. Except for an almanah cannot make irusin right away Because the almanah is in mourning Her husband passed away So she has to wait 30 days In order to finish the abelut for her husband Then she can make the irusin That's a technical point Which means she will be also able to make irusin right away According to Rabbi Yosef But you have an ibul problem You have an abelut problem So those are basically the three she taught Tanakama being the most mahmir and uh, Rabbi Yehuda being a little more uh, lenient, where he's allowing a Nisu'ah uh, uh, to make an Irusin, and an Arusah to make a Nisu'in, and Rabbi Yehuda, he says, no, no, all ladies can make Irusin. But even in Nisu'ah cannot, even an Arusah cannot make Nisu'in, only up to the Arusah level. So Kavazi Gabbana says, now we get to the point. One day, Rabbi Al-Azhar did not come to the Bet Midrash. He saw Rabbi Aseh that was there that day in the Bet Midrash. What did they say in the Bet Midrash today? Regarding this law of the three months and Abhana, Halakha follows Rabbi Yosef. So the Gemara says, "Michlal Must be if you tell me must be that the ones that argued on him, meaning Talakama, must have been Dat Yahid. Because if it was a Rabim going against Rabbi Yosef, we would probably take the Rabim. So he just we said probably if you tell me that means his antagonists are Dat Yahid. Now we don't know that because in our Mishnah. It puts the first opinion just as Tanakama. Now Tanakama can mean Da'at Yahidu can mean Hakamim. So the Gemara is going to prove to you that Tanakama's opinion really is a Da'at Yahid. And the Gemara says, yes. This is not a question. This is a proof. Let's say you have a lady that was constantly, prevalently, always going to her father's house. Which means she was not with her husband. And therefore there is no uh, uh, suspicion that she is pregnant. Meaning, and then either they got divorced or then he died, right? Now she wants to get remarried. But since she's always the assumption is she didn't get pregnant, she's always by her father's house. Or, or 
Therefore, you know that they were angry. The couple was angry. There was chaos there. Therefore, you know there was no uh, no relations. Or shaya ba'la zakin. Or he was an old man. Or chole. Or he was sick. Or shaita he chola. Or maybe the problem was on her side. She was sick. Therefore, there's no suspicion that she got pregnant. Akara. Akara meaning she was uh, barren. She was not able to to conceive. Rashid tells, how do you know a lady's barren? So he says that her mazal was like that because she was married to three people and she did not conceive with three people. Already is hazaka that she is barren. She cannot bring children. Zikina or she's old. Ketana or she's young, too young. Ailonit. Ailonit is a girl that did not bring the simanimia. She did not bring the signs of puberty and therefore she has a physical problem that she cannot have children. Or she's not ra'ui to have children. That she says she took some. She took a certain uh, 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 certain type of medicine that causes sterility. Or let's say her husband was in jail. So therefore cannot have relations. Or she had a miscarriage right after her husband died. So you know for sure she's not pregnant. In all these cases, In all these cases, even though the Gezerah doesn't apply. Because what's the common denominator in all these cases? You know she's not pregnant. And still what? You have to be Mahmi the three months. Now this opinion is the same opinion as Tanakama of the Mishnah. And now it's putting a name to it. It's a Bimir. How do I know this is Tanakama of the Mishnah? Because the Mishnah said also that even somebody that got divorced from the Irusin, where it's not Shayak that they had relations, still you have to wait three months. Why? Because of Lopelug. So now we've given a name to Tanakama. The name of Tanakama is the Bimir. Now, the Beraita continues. Rabbi Yosef says, in this case over here, you have no problem. Since there's no problem of pregnancy, it's permissible for to get Arusa and even Nisua. Because there is no, there's no issue over here. Oh, so now we go back to our question. We said, you have a mahloket. Rabbi Meir now, Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Yosef. And they came along, Rabbi Al-Azhar, and he asked us, what went on in the Bit Midrash today? So, oh, today in the Bit Midrash, they were posik halakha like Rabbi Yosef. So now the Gemara says, hold it. Lamali. We would have to go out of the way to posik halakha like Rabbi Yosef. Veha amad, Rabbi Meir for Rabbi Yosef. Halakha like Rabbi Yosef. According to Rabbi Yohanan's rules, that's an automatic. Which means we have Rabbi Yosef and Rabbi Meir arguing. Halakha follows Rabbi Yosef. Ela must be. The rules are not rules. And therefore, each case you have to judge individually. And therefore, this is a proof to the Misharshia. Comes Gemara says, Oh, my Kushia. Dilma la apukemid rav nachman amar shimu'em. Now maybe in this case they had to say that Allah Kazakh Nabi Yosef, La Apuket exclude what Abdulhman taught in the name of Shimuel. The Amar al Khakrabi Mi'id Bigzero Tav. We have another rule. That whenever the Bimi'ir makes a gizera, Halakha follows a Kabi Mi'ir. This would be a case of Rabbi Mi'ir in one of his gizerot. Meaning it doesn't apply the logic here. Meaning she's impossible for her to conceive. And still what does Rabbi Mi'ir say? Three months. That is a general rule out there. So therefore, I could tell you that really what Rav Yohanan, Rav Yohanan's Klalim are Klalim. So why do they have to go out of their way here and say, Halakha is like Rabbi Yoseh? Because we have another resisting cloud that says, normally we take Rabbi Meir Begizerotav. So they have to go, in this case, you don't go like Rabbi Meir Begizerotav. We go like the existing cloud Halakha, Rabbi Yoseh. So again, you have no proof to have Misharshia that the Klalim are not Klalim. So we're still looking now for a proof. So comes again, Baran says, Elam Meha. It's going to be from the following you're allowed to go to the market place of the Goyim before the holiday. That is the Gemara in Mishnah uh, in Abu Dazara that talks about how you're really not supposed to buy goods from the Goyim before the holiday. Because if you buy goods and they get the windfall profit, 
they're going to come along now and on the holiday thank their deity for the for the money that they made. So you're causing them to give praise to the Avodah Zarah. So we're limited in how the transactions that we could do with Goyim close to the holidays. We don't want them to come to be Mishabaya or praise the uh, Avodah Zarah. So now the question is like this. It's before the holiday and the Goyim are having the Yarid, having the, uh, the market. So what does it say? You can go to the market. You can buy all these items. Let's go each item. You can buy behema v'abadim. That's animals of this. Abadim is male servants. Shvachot is female servants. Batim, real estate. Sadot, fields. Kiramim would be vineyards. Now what's the eter for all these things? So that she tells us, you could buy batim and sadot because you want to limit their uh, hold on Eretz Yisrael. We want to buy all the land back from the Goyim. So I don't care if it's before the holidays. Go there, buy all the real estate you can, buy all the fields that you can, in order what? In order not to give the Goyim a foothold in Eretz Yisrael. Okay? <coughs> Furthermore, you could buy Behema Abadim Ushfachot because you're elevating them. When the Evids buy a goy, he's not obligated to any mitzvot. When a Jew buys the Evid, now already he's hayav in the mitzvot of a lady. And for that matter, shifachot as well. They have to become Jewish. So therefore you're elevating them. For that matter, a behemah also leaves the ownership of a goy and enters, as she says, the kiddushah of the ownership of a Jew. So the basic principle behind this is, it's recovery. You could buy all these things, even close to the holiday, in order to bring it into the... Kedushat, the ownership of a Jew. It's an elevation to all these items. Now the Gemara goes even further. The problem is, a lot of times when you made these sales, the Goyim would not respect the sale. So now when you'd come and say, okay, I bought this item, they'd say, no, 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 we, no, we renege. So you needed to go validate the transaction in Arkaot, in the courtrooms of the Goyim. You went to the Gentile uh, magistrate, and you, uh, you, know, you went with the document, and you had it, Signed and sealed in order that the goy cannot renege. Now, normally it's a problem to go, especially before the holidays to these magistrates. Why? Because you're giving them kavod. You're going to them and saying, oh, you know, I need you to sign over here. So, out of the giving them the kavod, we're worried that they might go to the Avodah Zarah and say, oh, thank you, we praise you for giving us all this kavod. And you could be the one that's causing them. You know, to go praise the Abu Dazar, guy gets kavod, he's excited. Mm-hmm. So he might go to the Abu Dazara and praise the Abu Dazar. Kamash Malam, the Braitha says, it's not a problem. And we read inside. It says, Vekotev umale ba'arkaot shilahin. And you can go to their courts and you can write shtarot. Why? Right? Because it's a recovery. Mm-hmm. You're worried that if you don't uh, get the uh, document, the Goyim are going to renege, now you're going to lose the item. Mm-hmm. So the Hadush is, not only could you buy these goods, you but you could also record it. Comes the Gemara and says, Kohen. Now let's say, guys, a Kohen. <coughs> now the problem with a Kohen is, Hakamim put a Tum'ah on Hutzla'aris. It's Tum'ah Rabbanan. They don't want the Kohanim leaving Eriz Israel. If they went into Hutzla'aris, they become Tamir because the Goyim don't mark their graves. And therefore you have to be concerned that there's Kibarim all over the place, not like in Eretz Yisrael where they were very careful to mark the graves. So the Rachim put a Tum'ah there. So it says, mm-hmm. Rabbis waive their law against the Kohen. They let him go to Chutz mm-hmm. in order to get the Shtar validated. Why? Because again, the recovery is more important. And the Tum'ah in its Amim is only the Rabbanan. So they let the Kohen go to Chutz to get the Shtar validated. Now, just like we let the Kohen go to Chutz La'aris, we also even let him go into a cemetery to do this. What are you talking about? Beta Kivarot, Salkadatach? Tum'ah Deoraitai. What are you talking about? Cemetery is Deoraitai. He's not going to go into a cemetery in order to validate a Shtar. So it was Ela Bebeta Paris, the Rabbanan. Remember we learned that there's a beta paris. Beta paris is you have a, a, a field. We have a, uh, let's say, a mint that's buried over there. But what did they do? They plowed it. Mm. And the concern of it is since they plowed it, you worry that the blade might have 
picked up some of the <coughs> fragments of the mat, and now they're on the uh, ground, and you're concerned that when he's walking, he might uh, touch them, right? If they're a certain shi'ur, and therefore you can have a problem. But it's only to Muhammad Rabbanan, because really, uh, we're not concerned that the blade goes all the way down to pick up the fragments of the, of the mat. So therefore it's called Beta Paris, it's to Muhammad Rabbanan. The rabbis allowed a Kohen, not to go to a cemetery. They let him to go to, to a bet haparis for what purpose? Either to validate shtarot or umetamelisa isha. Or let's say he needs to find a wife. He's a kohen. The only way he can go is got to walk to the bet haparis. They let him walk to bet haparis. Vilmot Torah. Or for that matter, he's got to go learn. So to learn Torah, the hagami waved the tumah for the kohen can go through. That's the first shita. I'm Arabiuda. Arabiuda comes along and says. When do we allow him to go metamem samed rabbanan to go study Torah? Bizman she'ena motzei lilmod, where he doesn't have anybody else in his country, for example, to teach him. However, aval motzei lilmod lo yitamem. But if there's another rabbi in his country to teach him, let him stay there and learn by him, and he doesn't have to go out. Even if he finds somebody in his country. He could still go out and learn by somebody else. Why? A person is not comfortable to learn with anybody. Well, even though there's a rabbi there, could be that she says, the rabbi teaches in a very long manner. You have to remember the olden days, everything was bahat. So the, the, the better teacher would be able to put the information in a short amount of words so that the student can remember it. So therefore, even though there's a rabbi teaching, maybe you have a better understanding by the rabbi in Chutzla Aris that has a very short way of giving the, of the shiur, of the dirasha. So therefore, according to this rabbi, who was that? That is the B Yoseh. He says, even if you have a rabbi in your country, you can go out. Why? Because could be have better success learning by the other rabbi that teaches in the shorter term. The Amara bi Yosef, we have in the story. Maaseh bi Yosef Kohen shehalach etzil rabbo letzaydan milmot Torah. He went to his rabbi in Saydan, which was in Chutz La'aris, in order to learn Torah. So what do you see? There were definitely rabbis in Israel. But he went and on Sa'ad because he was more comfortable learning with that rabbi, just like Rabbi Yosef. The Amara of Yohanan, Halakha ki Rabbi Yosef. Oh, now we get to the point. And Rabbi Yohanan came along, Rabbi Yohanan himself came along and said, in this case we follow Rabbi Yosef. Ve'lamali. What, uh, what do you have to tell me that for? Ve'ha Amar, didn't you tell us already? Rabbi Yehuda ve'Rabbi Yosef, Halakha ki Rabbi Yosef. We know the rules. The rules is that we would be Yosef. It's an existing rule. Why you have to come out again and tell us like I can be Yosef? I'm not a baye. It's tarikh. But you need it. Salka datachamina hani mili b'matnitin. I might have thought when he gave his rules, that was only said by a Mishnah. You know why? Because Mishnayot are very precise. Usually in the Mishnayot, the names are the right names. When it says, Rabbi Yehuda Omer, Rabbi Meir Omer, Rabbi Yosei Omer, the names are right. Therefore, we give you the rules. Aval bebaraita emalo. In Braita, a lot of times the names are not accurate. And therefore, it could be Rabbi Yosei, it could say Rabbi Yosei in the Braita, but it's really Rabbi Meir. And therefore, you can't just give a klal in a Braita, halakha could be Yosei. Because sometimes it says the Miyosir, it's really the Mimihir. So therefore, in Brighton, you don't have this rule. But you have to analyze. You have to make sure that the name's right. So it's not always cut and dry. And this case over here of the, uh, the Brighton we just brought is a Brighton. So therefore, you have to come along and say, meaning in this case, the Miyosir is accurate. So therefore, you might have thought that what? He only said his deen in Mishnayot and not in Braitot. Kamash Ma'lan, that he said his deen even in Braitot. And therefore, he, went, he had to go out of his way in this case and say, Halakha be Yosef. Because again, you might have thought he only said in Mishnayot where it's precise. But in Mishnayot, Braitot, where they're not precise, then you don't go necessarily like those rules. Kamash Ma'lan. You do. And that's why in this case, which was a bright day, he had to go out of his way and say, you know what? You told it to us already. I told you by Mishnayot. Now I'm telling it to you by, but I thought. 
So again, we still don't have a proof for Rav Misharshia. So Gemara says, Ela Haki Kamari. You know what? So this is what Rav Misharshia meant. Hani klale lav minhu. All he meant to say was, these rules that Rabbi Hanan gave, it's not universally accepted. Very good. Because Rav does not hold that he's klali. Like we saw in the Amud Which is originally we thought that Bashasha was saying that even the Yohanan is wrong. Which means those klali, even the Yohanan are not set klali. No, no, no. He never said that. The Yohanan said what he said, they are klali. All he meant to say is there are other rabbis that don't agree with these klali. Who? Rav's comes up with Rabbi Yohanan Rav the Gabbai the Kralim comes the Gemara and continues. About a view with Amar Shmuel, and now we discuss a new point. Hafsin Nukri, the articles of Goyim. We want to discuss them the Gabbai Shabbat, the Gabbai Shivita. Is the article of a Goy does it regarding Tum? Who, who does it follow? Now, obviously, we know a Goy is not bound by any laws of Tehomin. So it's not like a regular case where, let's say, a Jewish guy owns something, so we say his hafatzim go after the guy. Here, it's, uh, it might be compared to something that is hefgir. The goy really is not subject to the laws of tom. So the Gemara wants to know, hefseh nukhri, en konin shivita. So the Gemara says, clearly, there is no shivita on these items, meaning it's not an automatic 2,000 amma to each side. Ela, the first guy that is Zuchir, it'll follow his Tchum. Okay? So that's a leniency. Again, if you say this Shibita, that means automatically wherever they were before Shabbat, you get 2,000 Amot on all sides. Now that's a stringency. Why? Because let's say the guy that picks it up, let's say he has 4,000 to one side, he will not be able to bring that item to where he can go. He can only bring it to where the Chayfetz can go. So therefore, we say over here, Chetzenuchli en konin shevita. Therefore, it's going gonna, it's gonna to follow the person that picks it up. So leniency. Leman. So the government wants to know who's... Who's this going like? Who's, what's your opinion? Because we, the, 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 the rabbis that discuss this subject are Rabbi Hanan bin Nuri and Hakamim. So we want to know which one of those two rabbis is this following. If you tell me it follows the Rabbanan, the rabbi's opinion, Pshita. It's obvious that there's no Shemita by Hafsin Nukhri. Why? Hashta Hafsin Hefkir. Deleteu Be'alim. En Konim Shemita. In the case of Hafsin Hefkir, where it's ownerless, still the rabbis say there's no shivita. That is a logic that says there should be shivita in that case, because nobody owns it, so the hafetz itself should have its own. And still the rabbis said, but hafsei hefker, there is no shivita, which means it's the first guy that picks it up, it follows him. Hafsei nochri deitnu be'alim mebaya. Here, where hafsei goim, where they have an owner, and the owner is not subject to the laws of. Tum, so you have to tell me this case, Pashut, it's not going to be subject to the laws of Shavita. So therefore, for Hachamim, it's obvious, Pashut, just like Hefseh Hefker, Elaim, Shavita, so to Hefseh Nukhrim, Elaim, Shavita. So that statement could not have been made for the rabbis. Ela Alibad Rabbi Hanan ben Nuri. Oh, Vekam Ashma'alan, and what's the Hadush? Ima Damar Rabbi Hanan ben Nuri, Kulin Shavita. When did Rabbi Hanan ben Nuri say it's Kulin Shavita? Halimi Lehafseh Hefker. That's only by an ownerless item. Deletlihu Be'alim. There's no owner, so automatically the Hefetz has a Shavita going into Shabbat. Habal Hefseh Nukhri, Deitnu Be'alim lo. But Hefseh Nukhrim, since they do have an owner, you're right, even though the owner himself is not subject to the laws of... Tom doesn't matter. They are going to connect a tom of two thousand. So it comes out at this point we have a machloket, hachamim and the Yohanan. I'm sorry, we have a kula alma statement over here. nochrim and konim shivita. Pashut according to the hachamim and even according to the Yohanan ben Nuri and konim shivita, meaning that the first guy that gets it goes according to his tomb. Good. A guy goes and borrows a vessel from the goy. Or you lent a keli to the goy. And he returned it to you on Yom Tov. 
or vessels that were placed in storage places, which as she tells us are hefker, the goy took a kid and put it in these storage places, and they were within the tomb of the uh, city, so the deen is, those um, items, they belong to the goy, on Yom Tov, let's say he returned it, they're in the city, they take on the tomb of the city, meaning, you can take these items, <coughs> you're told you can carry, <coughs> the whole city is considered for Amot, so you can go up to the border of the city, and from there, 2,000 on each side. So what are you seeing over here? Off the bat, you're seeing that there is a Shevita here. Because we're not telling you that they follow the guy who he gave it to them. Ella, we're telling you that these items of the Goyim, they have the tomb of the city 2000 Amot to all sides. That means Hafsin Nukhrim are Kone Shevita. But let's continue the statement. Now let's say a Goy brought Perot on Yom Tov from outside the tomb. Meaning, going into Yom Tov, the Perot were in a certain spot. So they only have 2000. And he brought it outside that 2000. What's the deal when you take something outside the 2000? You can't move it. And the verse says, You cannot move them. Because they were outside the tomb. But what are you seeing again? That they have a shivita. So the Gibraltar says, If you're going to say that Rabbi Yohanan bin Uri holds that yes, have a shivita, Hamani, who will be the author of this statement? Rabbi Yohanan bin Uri. But if you're going to say that not only the rabbis say but if you're going to tell me like you learned that even if Yohanan ben Nuri says in Korin Shevita, Hamani, Lord of Yohanan ben Nuri, Velo Rabbanan, it's going like nobody. Which means this statement over here is not following anybody because you tell me everybody holds in Konim Shevita. And from this statement we see clearly Korin Shevita because we're limiting it to the 2,000 amount of the city, or if it went outside the tomb, it cannot be moved. Ela Basbi has a shivita of its own. So Kavzi Gabbaran says, Le'olam kasabar of Yohanan menuri hafseh nukhi konim shivita. Oh, you're right. Really, I'll tell you, just like hafseh, hefker akone shivita, hafseh nukhi akone shivita. And if he's the author of that statement. Right? Ushmuel de'amar kirabanan. And that original opening statement of the Gemara that said, Hafsen Shevita is going like the rabbis. Udikamar Pshita. Oh yes, what do you mean? Pashut. According to the rabbis, Pashut. We said, Hefker. Shevita. So we said, Hefker. That don't have an owner. Anat Shevita. Even though the Kalat should. It's still not Kuredis that have an order that's not subject to the laws of Tehumin, because again, it should not be subject to the laws of Shivita. So what's the Hadush? So he says, Ma'u de tema gezera be'alim de nukhri, atu be'alim de Yisrael kamash ma'lan. Which means you're right. The only reason why the rabbis, <coughs> they had to speak out clearly, that hefsen nukhri, enem Shivita, because you might have thought that, you know what, the rabbis would be strict and say, when it comes to the habits of a goy, put a restriction on it right away. That it's limited how, how much you could move it. 2,000 amot each are right away. Why? Because if you're not going to put a restriction on Hafsin Nukhreen, the people might say, maybe Hafatsim are not subject at all to the laws of Tehomin, even when it's owned by a Jew. And therefore, could be you might have thought that the rabbis are going to make some sort of Gezera. Kamash Ma'alan, they don't. Therefore, Hafsin Nukhreen, does not have any restrictions, meaning it'll follow the the guy, the first guy that gets it. Which is, you might have thought the rabbis will come along and say, you know what? Put a shivita on it right away. Gezera, that will, will be strict over it, so the people will recognize that even hafatsim are subject to the laws of Tehomim. So they'll know when it comes to hafats of a Jew, they'll also have to be careful of how far it's able to go. Kamashwan, they didn't. Now comes, so that's the opinion of who? Shemuel. So let's review at this point. Shemuel holds that Rabbanan say, And the Yohanan bin Nuri will say, So according to Shemuel, it is indeed a 
מחלוקת. קאוס גברן עצס ורב חייא ברבין אמר רבי יוחנן חפשי נוכרים קונים שביתה. He comes along and says, who's this rabbi? Rabbi Chayyab Ar-Abim, in the name of Rabbi Hanan, that Hamsin Nukhri really are Konesh Shibita, even according to the rabbis. Which means, according to everybody, it's Konesh Shibita. Gezerah, Ba'alim de Nukhrim, Atu Ba'alim de Yisrael. Again, he makes the Gezerah. So it comes out, we have a Mahloket on Hamsin Nukhri. Shimuel says, Hamsin Nukhri is indeed a Mahloket. Rabbanan will say, in Konim Shavita, Rabbi Hanan ben Nuri, Konim Shavita. According to Rabbi Hiya, according to everybody, Hefzeh Nukhri, Konim Shavita. Why? Because you want to be Mahmir, so you don't come to be lenient when it comes to Hefzeh Yisrael. The case where the owner is, he said, you want to show that there is indeed Tehumim restriction by Hafatzim. Now the Gibran tells one story. Hanehud Dikhreh. There was certain uh, rams, ayalim, the ram. They came to the city of Babarakta on Yom Tov. Okay, from the Goyim, the Goyim brought them. Shara minayu. So Rabbi came along and told the people of Mechoza that were outside the tomb of Babarakta. What does it mean outside the tomb? The only way to get from Mechuzah to Barakta is you had to put an Eruv, let's say, to the east. So you get 2,000 from there, then the 2,000 will take you into Barakta. So Rabbi said to the people of Mechuzah, hey, there's, there's animals over there in Barakta, using your tomb, go there, get the, uh, get the Ayalim, buy it on Yom Tov, with credit, of course. You're allowed to buy the Rishonim learn from over that you're allowed to purchase something on Yom Tov. No, just... You know, obviously with a uh, credit where you'll pay the guy after Yom Tov, because you're allowed to slaughter animals on Yom Tov for Sorech, or Khenefesh. So the Gemara says, Rabbah allowed Benim Mechuzat to buy. Now again, who brought these? The Goyim. Now, Amar Le Ravinal Rabbah, Maidatech. What are you holding like? The Amar of Yudam Mar Shemuel, Hefsen Nukhri, Enkonim Shemita. Oh, you must be following Rav Yudah Mashua that says that Hefsen Nukhri is no Shavita. Therefore, who does it follow? It's going to follow the owner. It's going to follow the Jew. Because if you said Hefsen Nukhri Kurim Shavita, you're stuck. It only has 2,000 Amot. 2,000, how are you going to get it back to Mehoza? So they told him, oh, it must be you're being lenient, like Shemuel's opinion that says there's no Shavita. Since there's no Shavita, it follows the owner. Since the owner made his Aruv, he can take it. From Mechuzat Barakta and bring it back. So the Gebra says, Shemuel Yohanan. But wait, did you forget Rabbi Yohanan argues on Shemuel? We just learned this to the Rabbi Yohanan Shita is, Goyim, Konim Shevita according to everybody. And when you have a Machlok at Shemuel and Rabbi Yohanan, who does Allah follow? Rabbi Yohanan. Again, Shemuel Rabbi Yohanan, Rabbi Yohanan. Why? So therefore, Rabbah, how did you allow the people of Mechuzah to go to Mubarakhta? Meaning they were in Mubarakhta? That's 2,000 Amot to each side, that's it. So the Gemara says, Hadar Amar Rabbah. So Rava retracted, and he said, Only the people of Mibarakhtah could buy these animals, because it's within their tomb. Because the whole city of Mibarakhtah was walled, and therefore the law is like we learned, that if you have a walled city, so therefore it'll be considered, or considered, which means even if these items of the Goyim, they brought it into the Barakhtah. Means even if they brought it outside the 2000 Amot, since they brought it into the walled city of the Barakhtah, it's like what we learned in the Mishnah of Rabban Gamliel. If somebody, let's say, was brought outside the tomb on Shabbat, but they were brought into a, a deer or a sahar or to an enclosed area, you get the enclosed whole area. So therefore, even if these animals were brought outside the tomb, but they were brought into the Barakhtah, it's an enclosed area. So that whole area is considered what? For Amot, which is even if you want to say that yes, Shevita, but what? For Bnei Barakhtas Mutar, because it's considered an enclosed area. However, for the people of Mechuzah, 
there's no way for them to take it out. He said, they could walk to Mabalakta. Because they sent their Eruv up, let's say, where they get 4,000 Amot. But since the tomb of this item is limited to 2,000, or the whole city of Mabalakta now, you can't take it out. Oh, that's what we mean. We have an Eruv set up. Following the opinion of Rabbi Yohanan. So therefore, it was a mahluk of Shemuel and Rabbi Yohanan. Originally, Rabbi went like Shemuel. They told me what do you mean? Rabbi Yohanan argued. Rabbi Yohanan So he retracted. Baruch Amen. Amen.